Hey everybody, on this episode, we are gonna be talking about partnerships, donations, fundraising, all that awesome stuff. Stay tuned and listen to the episode. Welcome to the Nonprofit Digital Success Podcast. I'm your host, David, and in this episode, we're gonna be talking about partnerships and fundraising with Trevor and Aaron. Trevor is the co-founder and CEO of OrgMatch, which is a B2B collaboration platform for organizations to discover, form, manage, and measure partnerships. Trevor previously held senior grant-making and fundraising roles at large foundations prior to founding OrgMatch. Aaron is the founder and CEO of Elevate Social Impact, which is a consulting firm that guides companies, nonprofits, and individuals on their philanthropic journey. Something interesting? They are aspiring podcasters are going to be starting one, provide an international perspective on impact partnerships. That is a mouthful. Aaron, Trevor, welcome to my podcast. Tell us what, what's this podcast like? What, what are you thinking about for your podcast? Thank you so much for having us, David. We really appreciate it. We're so excited to be here. So excited to start our podcast. It's going to be called Social Situation. So stay tuned for that in the coming months. But in this podcast, we're really focused on speaking to leaders across all aspects of the social impact sector. So all sides, whether it's nonprofit, CSR, ESG, foundations, sustainability, and, and so on, and really getting their perspective on how they move the needle, how they are really disrupting the space in the hopes of creating greater change. So really excited to get some awesome folks on and really shed light on the current and future state of social impact. That's amazing. Thank you. I think there's certainly a void in the educational sector of the work that we do where we can help people and enlighten them and inspire and provide guidance and help them maybe avoid some pitfalls that others have already kind of gone through. So that's fantastic. Congratulations. Kudos. Looking forward to listening to some episodes once you get that up and going. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. All right. So Trevor, what do you see as the biggest challenge facing philanthropy right now? I think the siloing of the sector where people are operating in their own worlds, where maybe, you know, nonprofits, especially change makers who are new to the space are just struggling in terms of getting started. And so I think there's a lot we can do in terms of knowledge translation, in terms of lifting people up, mentorship within the sector to help pass down all of the great change that has been impacted over the past decades, but also realize that there's always an opportunity to get better and learn and disrupt and innovate. So I think, you know, it's going to be a balancing act. It's going to require bringing new people in. It's going to require taking notes in terms of what's working and what's not working and, you know, trying to figure out how we can come together to solve some of those challenges. Erin, any thoughts? Absolutely. I would say, you know, I completely agree with what Trevor said. And just to add on, I would also say funding. I mean, I think that is always a challenge of the nonprofit sector. And, you know, with that, attracting and retaining donors. There are so many causes out there right now, especially with all of the challenges our society is facing. So donors are being pulled in different directions, right? So, you know, really for nonprofits, just ensuring that they are diversifying revenue streams and aren't just reliant on, say, an individual donor or, say, bringing in funding from an event or from a grant, really ensuring that they are looking broadly and holistically at how they fundraise and who they are gaining funds from. I mean, an example of this is pre-COVID, a lot of nonprofits relied on events as a space for bringing in funding, right? They would plan their annual gala or 5K walk, but we came to know during COVID, of course, events weren't happening and events are, for better or worse, not as much of a thing anymore, right? We have smaller scale events. We do things online now. Organizations are having to kind of 
executives think, how to make up the funds that they maybe are losing from not holding those events, and also having those hard conversations about how can we ensure we have a diverse funding pool, a diverse pool of revenue coming in so that should anything happen, there still is revenue coming in to sustain their programming. 100%. And I totally agree. I think organizations aren't thinking long-term or long-term enough. I think they're thinking right now, immediate need, they need, I don't know, $100,000 to fund X, Y, and Z, whatever it is. There is something called a silver tsunami. I think it's been maybe 20 episodes or so since I've mentioned this. There are a lot of baby boomers that hold a great amount of wealth, certainly in North America, and they are going to be passing the wealth down, whether willingly or unwillingly, depending on you know how long they live, survival, death, etc. And you know if you can start having conversations with people, getting people to actually care about your organization, again to be empathetic to what you're doing and understand the impact that they can have, a legacy that they could potentially leave. Right? You can be looking at possibly bringing in a huge chunk of money to your organization as legacy gifts from people's wills or estates. Yeah, I really appreciate what you said about, you know, talking about impact. I think that people want to feel part of the work that nonprofits are doing. I think there's such potential in, you know, that education piece and really not just asking for a donation, but really taking the time, of course, to build that donor relationship and take them on the donor journey, but also to sit down and educate them on the value of their donation and the impact of their contribution and the impact over time should they be a sustained donor, a monthly donor, or someone that's actively involved in your organization, even if it's from a volunteer perspective. So I think there's so much potential, like you said, with this next generation kind of coming up of philanthropists, but nonprofits then have the difficult but important role of doing that education piece and ensuring that those folks are brought into the kind of inner circle, inner conversations that those organizations are having. Absolutely. And so we were talking about challenges, like right off the bat, right? Well, what are the biggest challenges facing philanthropy? Trevor, what are your thoughts on how organizations could address these challenges? Well, there's so many challenges and so many things. I mean, whether an organization is looking internally in terms of its governance, the kind of team it wants to build, how it wants to achieve its mission. There's also, you know, how are we going to solve the multitude of challenges facing that us, you know, whether that's income inequality or climate change or other issues that are affecting us, you know, war and poverty internationally. It's it's a lot to think about at once. And so I think you know, this is where collaboration comes in and realizing that we're all part of an ecosystem. So we can't do one thing alone if we can all kind of figure out, you know, where we can add the most value and do it in the most frictionless way possible. I think that's really the ideal. And it is idealistic, but it's also an, an aim that we all have to work toward because what hasn't worked is when, you know, we're writing one check and saying, okay, this is going to solve a problem or we're putting all of the burden on one individual or one organization to solve a challenge. It's not fair and it's also not sustainable. I completely agree with that. I think there's such power in partnerships and collaboration. I mean, that's why Trevor and I are starting this podcast together. We see that value of working collaboratively. And I think that also goes for for-profit, nonprofit partnerships, which is a lot of what Trevor and I think about in our work and for our upcoming podcast, how can those organizations work in tandem? How can we lessen the gap that exists between for-profit and non-profit and help these two sectors to work more closely together? For-profits, of course, with the resources that non-profits need to be able to move the needle. So I see a lot of potential in that, and I'm always working toward bringing those two areas together, hopefully lessening that gap in the future. Yeah, a handful of years ago, I'd say maybe five years ago, six years ago, it started to become popular to get big donors, whether they're corporate or individuals, to do donation matching, right? So you donate a dollar, they'll match a dollar up to like a certain amount, right? 
when you're going after, to your point about an individual donor and then kind of carrying the load, if you can get four or five medium-sized donors to kind of pool their money together to match donations one for one or one for two or whatever the ratio happens to be, I think that's a quick win, right? Totally talking about partnerships there, right? How can you bring people together to create a bigger impact, to, to have a greater influence, not influence, that's not the right word, but um, greater results for your organization? Yeah, like that idea of giving circles for those who aren't familiar, people coming together around, it could be one organization, they're part of the giving circle, and they pool their funds towards maybe a specific campaign or cause that that organization is supporting. Or maybe there's a giving circle in your community or affiliated with your church or your company or your children's school or an affinity group you're part of and so on. It really um, spans the gamut. But those groups of people pool their funds and then give towards multiple organizations, one organization, what have you. And it's incredible the power of you know their funding, the impact that they can have when they come together. It's amazing. And it's really cool to see. And of course, with that, there's so much education and advocacy going on as well. So their connection to that nonprofit is even stronger when they're working together to support them. And I think the momentum is there too, Erin. Like, you know, one of the family foundations that I work with, uh, the third generation has just inherited all of the wealth and they're looking to shake things up. And one of the things that they want is they want to know who they're uh, giving funding to and they want to know who else is giving funding. And so they're taking a more community-based approach where you know, instead of writing a million dollar check to a large university, they're now writing $100,000 checks to grassroots organizations where that's going to be a longer impact gift that's going to help fund operating needs, making sure that that organization can focus on its programs and missions. And so you can feel better about this kind of collaboration as well, I think, as a donor. When we think about organizations, we often think about the CEO, the president, the foundation side. If it's a big enough organization, there's some distinguishing differences between. But how are funders changing their practices so that they can be more effective? Like You just gave an example there. Are there other things that we should be looking at? Yeah. I mean, I think funders also, that's a broad category, right? You have the corporate funders, you have foundation funders, you can consider an individual a funder, a giving circle could be a funder group. So from my perspective, working heavily in corporate social responsibility, I like to think of the company funder, right? And I think of that, if we break that down a little bit, a really impactful group is the employees. Something I'm really passionate about is employee engagement and getting corporate employees out into the community because of course, money can go far and we can't <laughs> dispute that, but also time and energy and expertise and knowledge can also make an incredible impact in the nonprofit sector. And so now more than ever, companies are committing to getting their employees out in the community. It's very beneficial, of course, for the nonprofits, but also for the employees. It's a great team building opportunity. It's a great way for employees to come together and make an impact in the community around them. It's a great way to feel more committed to their company and their company's mission and brand and to just feel really good about doing something that's positively impacting society. So whether it's employees volunteering at a, let's say, an organization supporting youth and, you know, mentoring them or reading to children or it could be pro bono service. Maybe the team, let's say finance team at your company is going to go into a nonprofit and fix up their financial services practices in a day. And maybe that nonprofit doesn't even have a finance team. So it's really impactful what companies and their employees can do to support employees in addition to the monetary funding that they can provide as well. 
And just to build on that area from a company perspective, I think there is more pressure than we've ever seen before for companies to adopt these practices and, you know, tell the folks that are in their audience, how are they actually giving back and how are they using the funds that they're receiving and profiting from, from the consumer base that, you know, it's fueling them and their ability to exist to have a better society, right? And there's, I think, a struggle at the same time around funders trying to figure out how do we do this? How do we tell this story without losing sight of, you know, what their objectives are? But I think a trend that we're going to see more and more and certainly the growth in community investment and ESG is an encouraging one. I think it's really important that businesses do spend time giving back, whether it's financially, volunteer time, support, advice, having people sit on the boards of directors or committee work, or there's so many ways that you can give back. One of the things that I think is really an interesting idea is for businesses to let employees take time, maybe one day a month, one day every quarter, whatever it happens to be to go and spend the time with whatever it is that they actually care about, where they can create some kind of positive impact, but do it in a way that's genuine. And what I mean by that is, yeah, you should be talking about it. You should be on the rooftops talking about, hey, this is what we're doing. Here's how we help, right? Like if you look at Tom's shoes or something like that, for every pair sold, they give a pair to the homeless or something like that. They should be talking about it, but their cause is specifically tied to their business. Don't get people volunteering because you want to promote it on social, that you're doing some kind of social good, right? Like be genuine about it, be honest about it, talk about it. And that's going to help both sides. The organizations are going to get the help they need. And the business has something like really neat to talk about. So Aaron, how can organizations measure their impact? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there are so many methods for measurement right now. Again, the nonprofit sector looking different than the for-profit CSR space. But I think that that measurement piece is is so important. So from the nonprofit perspective, I think it's, of course, you know, the quantifying the impact, the dollars raised, you know, there's obviously the donor perspective, as well as like the beneficiary perspective. So dollars raised, the number of donors, donors retained, you know, board involvement, how long are people sticking around on your board? How many volunteers do you have? What is the number of hours that they're contributing? But beyond that, we have to dig deeper, right? Like it's not just the number of hours, but what sort of an impact. And that's where, you know, in my mind, again, it goes to the beneficiaries. So what are they actually accomplishing? And I think, you know, the way that I think about impact is short term and long term. I think we always want to grasp for those numbers and report on impact as soon as a project is done. But just because a project is done doesn't mean a community has been served long term. So I think it's important to measure impact throughout a campaign or throughout a program or a project, but also continue to track that and continue to track your beneficiaries or the community you're serving or you know whatever it is that you're doing so that you can really see the change over time and see how your donors and volunteers and board members and you know all of your stakeholders are really getting involved and i think you know again just to speak from the csr perspective for a moment as well i think it's really interesting because there's so much conversation around how to measure impact i think especially with this growing esg space it's sometimes hard right i've been a part of different conversations on how do we measure the s you know in esg and there's no clear cut standardized way in which to do that. So I think that's also the struggle, right? That each organization measures impact differently. So it's also hard to compare or put together a list of the most impactful organizations, because what does that even mean? Are we comparing apples and oranges? We work in different sectors. Also having been in the nonprofit sector myself for about a decade, 
I know that a lot of times the you know corporations or funders understandably want to measure impact right away to report back to stakeholders. But for nonprofits, some things are just not as measurable so quickly or their numbers would they deem as like really successful might look different to a company. So if you have like 80% of, I don't know, students graduating high school in an underserved community with a C plus average, that might be really great. But to a corporation that maybe doesn't understand the full context of a community, they might think, oh, C plus average, we failed, you know, we didn't get them to where they need to be. So it's like that understanding of the cultural context and really listening to the people at that nonprofit. And if you can speak to the beneficiaries and the people who are really in that community, then you're golden in terms of how you can really understand and measure impact. You know, there's this trend toward trust-based philanthropy and at least a discussion around, you know, what does that look like? And for me, it's less, you know, putting a deadline in your calendar around a report being due or a report being expected and more about being in active conversation with what's going on so that if there are challenges, you've built enough trust with someone that can pick up the phone and tell you about that challenge and bring you into being part of the solution, right? And I think that's so much of where we need to go, but it, it's going to take a lot of work and it requires, I think, a little bit more uh, effort on the part of the donor. But if we can get that, they're going to find that the quality of the partnerships and therefore the return on the investment for the impact they're generating is exponential. But we mentioned this a little bit. There's different ways that people could get involved with an organization that aren't just monetary, not just talking about dollars, right? Dollars obviously can go a long way, especially if you can convince your donors to just give it to like a generic pool where it can best be spent wherever it's needed most, as opposed to specific individual campaigns. I think emotionally, you can get people to donate money to a specific campaign easier than a general pool. So it's kind of like, all right, how do you actually balance that? But putting that aside, do you have any maybe different thoughts or suggestions on how an organization could get people involved that isn't around money? Yeah, I think there are so many ways, which is exciting. I think, you know, a lot of times if someone's asked for donation and they can't give, they think that's the only way that maybe they can get involved. And I'm you know, so happy to always share that there are so many different ways to get involved. So volunteering is one way. Nonprofits always need volunteers, whether it's at a one-off event that they're planning or, you know, maybe it's a sustained volunteer activity, mentoring, working with youth, you know, getting out in the community. There's so many, again, depending on the cause area that they represent. If the organization is maybe based internationally and their efforts are not where you're located, oftentimes they might look for some sort of volunteer in their office, whether it's, you know, getting bags ready for an event or, you know, so many other things. Maybe it's um, that pro bono support that I was talking about. So it could be taking your skill set and offering pro bono service. So whatever it is, your skills in marketing, communications, finance, tech, bringing that into the organization and areas maybe that they are lacking in terms of a full staff person or team in that area. And I think also, you know, to our earlier point about board service, that's a great way as well to be really committed and to have a leadership opportunity. Also junior boards too, for individuals that are maybe a little bit earlier in their career to gain that leadership, that responsibility. You know, you really feel invested in, in, in the inner circle of those organizations when you're in that sort of capacity. So I think, yeah, there are many ways to get involved outside of giving monetarily. I think there's some growing sophistication that we're seeing in the types of agreements that both donors and profits are engaging in too. And so we'll see hopefully more multi-year agreements that, you know, include these non-financial elements like agreements to send out press releases or hold events together or 
to share data. But there's also some things that I think companies can look at doing that are very, I think, low effort and high value. And it's one of those things might be sharing rooms and space. If you can, you know, for example, have a really nice boardroom that you could allow, you know, a, a wine and cheese event for a nonprofit to be hosted there. Another thing you can do is make introductions to peers in the space, you know, and I think this is part of bringing others into the investments you're making, or if you're not able to make an investment yourself, think about, you know, who do I think would genuinely be interested in this? And, you know, who can I help this person be connected to so that they're not starting cold and they're more likely to be successful as a result. So yeah, just a couple of more ways that uh, I think organizations can think about how can we help? And again, without needing to spend any money or put in a lot of hours. I love that idea about helping them with networking, right? A lot of what we do has to do with who we're connected to. And the people that we're connected to have people they're connected to. And if we can show that we care about something very specific, a specific organization or cause or group of organizations, maybe it's something around Alzheimer's, right? There's certainly a plethora of organizations that are doing work in that space, right? You can drive more attention to it. And even just as simple as maybe being a social media advocate, just liking or sharing a post, like that is super low effort to actually do, but based on who your networks are and who you're connected with, right? You can show one, that you care about this thing and two, it'll help spread the word. Yeah, absolutely. And I love what Trevor said. And I think one other thing I'm thinking about is how can companies make it as easy as possible for nonprofits to understand how those companies can support them? I think sometimes it's really challenging to find like the grant guidelines or like, how do you even get volunteers from the company. And I know there are people, I know consultants dedicated to bridging the gap between nonprofits and for-profits in terms of making those partnerships. So I think that companies, you know, with the resources and, you know, large staff that they have can make it a little bit easier for nonprofits to navigate their systems and their ecosystem and understand kind of where they can come in and how those companies can support. But thinking a little bit more along that line, Aaron, that you were talking about, showing that alignment, how can we show what is it that we need and who can we connect with? There's a webinar that I run every six weeks or so that's all about how to get corporate sponsors for your organization. And part of that workshop is what are your values? What is it that your organization cares about? What's the impact you have? Okay, well, if you're an organization like Habitat for Humanity, where you're building homes, approach companies like Home Depot who have the supplies and the staff that know what they're doing. And right, there's organizations that you can connect with that can help you physically, tangibly, monetarily, or time or effort. And really making it clear that this is the type of help that we need because X, Y, and Z, this is the impact we have. And here's how creating that bridge for a business to go, oh, this is what we do. This is what you do. Here's how we can help you. Just clarify, just be straight up and be, this is what we need help with. Here's how you can help us and just put it out there. Yeah, totally. And the way you said it makes it sound so easy, right? Like, why is this not already happening? It makes complete sense. So yeah, I think both sides have that responsibility, right? Like I think, you know, I was talking about the companies. Nonprofits also need to be clear, you know, need to understand what their needs are. If they're not clarified, I think that's where consultants can, you know, be of great service. But once they're ready, once they know, we need support in these three areas, understanding how to kind of share that with the world, understanding how to get that out there. But you're right. Absolutely. Habitat. Understandably, nonprofits have such pressure to, you know, keep the lights on and to sustain the communities that they're supporting. And so that that's a lot that's heavy and they're usually understaffed and under resourced. But also 
it is important to take that time to do that important values work and to take the time to kind of dig deeply inwards and understand like how do we best align with a company or a funder that could sustain us for a really long time. I was just going to say that the strengths and weaknesses of your organization can be played here, right? You can say like, look, our strengths can help you where you need help. And, you know, oftentimes for companies, that's the storytelling piece. And, you know, it's also saying like, you have the strength for our weakness and being honest about that. Like we don't have that human labor that's required to, you know, fulfill this project, but you do, can you help us, right? And I think that honesty and that identification of, you know, your strengths and weaknesses is such a, a good starting point for that. To your point about open and honesty, there's been a lot of conversation online around overhead and expenses of your organizations. And for years and years, probably several decades, organizations, nonprofits, charities are like, oh, we have, we only spend like 2% on our overhead and on our staff. That's not often the reality, right? And I think it's okay to say, you know what? No, we actually spend 15% or 12% or 21% on our overhead because this is why. This is why we need it. This is what we do. And to your point earlier, you were talking about if there's a boardroom, let them maybe have a wine and cheese event. If you have a giant warehouse and you're not using all of it, Maybe there's a nonprofit that can use some of that space to store whatever it is that they need, their materials, their packaging, their whatever, whatever it is. And you can leverage each other that way and, and talk about that and help have more of a bottom line effect on the nonprofit that isn't money, but it kind of is. Yeah, I'm smiling because Trevor and I have talked about this topic before. It's something I'm personally very passionate about. I actually used to work for an amazing nonprofit that was really leading the charge on the conversation around overhead because they were vocal about how their overhead might not be as low as other nonprofits and why they were okay with that and how others should be. And that particular organization understood that they needed to support their employees. And a lot of their employees lived in the community they were serving. So they also had maybe gone through that same programming when they were a child and then became staff at the organization. They you know, lived in an underserved area. And so the organization was really committed to paying them what they deserved. And they didn't think there was anything wrong with that. And I agree. I think that it's what you're using that money for, right? Is is all the money going to your CEO? Like there could be a problem there, but are you supporting your employees? Are you creating a great place to work where people are retained and are focused and passionate and aligned with your mission and want to make an impact and want to stick around? And because of that, you're creating greater impact as an organization. So it's also looking at where the money is going and is that really so bad or is it actually helping your organization in the long run? Yeah, I also think like the definition of like administration or overhead hurts the more grassroots organizations or you know, organizations that are like, hey, I'm an executive director who's also an implementer who's out in the field working with the community and I don't have time to fundraise. And yet my hours are allocated to overhead or administration because, you know, I want to be honest with my stakeholders and my funders about, you know, what's going on here, right? And then others may define administration in a totally different way, especially larger organizations who can, you know, parse that out or put things into different funds. So yeah, I, I think this is a very outdated term and I don't think we ever had any agreement on it in the first place. So you know, if we're going to start thinking about impact and making change in the world, I think we need to start uh, worrying about how we, you know, account for people's hours and are people actually being helped, are problems actually being solved. 
And uh, that's that's really what's going to matter long run. The people that work at these nonprofits quite often actually really, really, really care, right? And that's why they started it. That's why they applied for a job at this organization when they spent time volunteering there, maybe in high school. And so now they're reaching out. They've graduated college, university, whatever, and they're looking for employment kind of in the nonprofit space. Everybody should, for the most part, I believe they come at it with like the best of intentions. Would it be great to have somebody working at your nonprofit, at your charity, at your foundation, whatever organization is your impact, your social impact business that you've got? Would it be great to have people that are so insanely passionate that they're willing to take the job even at like just over minimum wage, but wouldn't it be better to actually pay them a livable wage? It's okay to spend on salary, right? You're going to get people that care more that want to stay there more, they're not going to be lured away by another business or another organization that's willing to pay them an extra, you know, 40 cents an hour or $800 a year or a month or whatever it happens to be. And you're going to get better work out of them. Absolutely. I mean, that's the dream. I think that is the goal. And I think that that can have such a great impact, right? You know, people want to give back. They want to work for nonprofits. They want to work in a role that is entirely mission-driven and in a role that they're passionate about. But they also need to live at the end of the day and they need funds to sustain themselves. And if you are treating your employees well and paying them what they deserve, understandably, it might not be as high as a corporate salary, but something that is you know, livable and a respectable salary, given the the work that they're doing, they're going to stick around for that much longer. Like you said, they're going to be that much more invested and committed to the company, to the work, to the executive team, you know, to everyone within. Not to get all HR in this episode here, but you can offer things that aren't necessarily money, that sweeten the deal, right? An extra couple of days vacation, maybe some three or four days over the course of the year that they can kind of use whenever they want that isn't necessarily planned vacation. There's lots of things that you could do to help that isn't necessarily monetary for the employees. Like we've been talking about, right? You can help nonprofits or businesses, right? Without, you know, the actual dollar. You can do that with employees as well. Anyways, sorry, Trevor, I know you wanted to say something. No, no, that's... Uh, that's Exactly. I think the point is that, um, you know, we can be a bit more creative than just, you know, looking at one line of numbers, right? You know, we're, we're dealing with people. People are complicated. They have dreams, they have hopes and ambitions, and you should, you know, want to help people achieve those things, right? And again, it's, you know, you start with having a conversation of what's your goal and you try to find the alignment there, you're both going to succeed. So again, it, I would just say, yeah, let's not be so narrow-minded in terms of how we approach it. Like there's a good way to be creative and often it just starts with the conversation. Absolutely. Trevor, Aaron, it's been some amazing conversation that we've had on this episode, talking about partnerships, a little bit of like HR-ish type stuff, corporate connections. I hope people that have been listening to this episode have been able to get some really great advice from you both today. And I want to challenge everybody. I want you to go and talk to somebody in the next two days. Tell them one thing that you picked up about the conversation. That's, that's the challenge for you from this episode. Aaron, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, what do they need to do? Yeah, well, thank you so much, first of all, David, for having us. This has been so much fun. And I always learn so much from these sort of conversations. So it's been really a pleasure. And if you all want to get in touch with me, you can find me at elevatesocialimpact.com. You can follow me on LinkedIn, Aaron Mogul. And Trevor, if anybody wants to get you, what do they need to do? Yeah, I'm on uh, LinkedIn as Trevor Loke. Um, you can find me through my company, OrgMatch, at uh, www.orgmatch.com. That's O-R-G-M-A-T-C-H. And, you know, info at orgmatch.com if you uh, want to send a note. And you mentioned that you both have like a freebie for everybody that's listening. Trevor, 
Tell us about what your offer is here. So our software helps organizations collaborate with each other, starting with the discovery process of, you know, where do I start, who should I partner with? And then once you're in that partnership, helping you walk through that process. If you want to get started, it's free to join. You can just go to orgmatch.com, put your information right into the sign-up sheet, and uh, we'll go from there. And Eric, how about you? Sure. So at Elevate Social Impact, we are committed to helping companies, nonprofits, and individuals along their social impact journey. We are a consulting and coaching practice, so I'd love to offer a free consultation to whoever might be interested. If you're a company looking to build CSR into your brand but don't know where to start, feel free to reach out. If you're a nonprofit looking to diversify your revenue streams, as we were talking a lot about before, feel free to get in touch. And then if you're an individual looking to break into the social impact space, and you know, find work that is more meaningful, or if you're making a pivot within this sector, I would love to chat with you as well. That's amazing. Those are both solid efforts. Thank you so much again for joining in on the Nonprofit Digital Success Podcast. Everybody listening, if you want any of the links or the resources that Trevor and Aaron mentioned and provided, just head over to our podcast page at nonprofitdigitalsuccess.com. Click on this episode for all the details. Until next time, keep on being successful. That didn't sound right. Till next time, keep on being successful.